0: the preacher inviting me to come i did only have a couple of days when i could be here but i've enjoyed already what's going on i appreciate the good preaching from brother buster and uh been a blessing to get to spend a little time with him today that was encouragement to me and then that great message just a moment ago blessed my heart and i know it did yours too and uh, i love your preacher and his family And I'm thankful that the Lord uh, helped us to become acquainted back some time ago. And uh, I've always enjoyed being around him. He got up, uh, we were up at Brother Ricky Gravely's a couple years ago, and he got up to preach. And he said, well, I don't have much to say. I don't really have an outline. And I just have a little thought and preach the house down. (laughs) And uh, I wish all my little thoughts were like that. But uh, I enjoyed it greatly. Thank you for the... Nice hotel room and for providing a way for me to get here and uh, thank you for the van I'm talking about I'm um, in negotiations to trade at vans with the preacher. I have a transit van I'm going to try and trade him I'll have to give him a little bit a, a little bit to boot if you know what that means. I have to add a little bit because his van has 40,000 miles and mine has 258,000 miles so I might have to give him a pocket knife along with it and make the train come out even Amen. but thank you for the vehicle to drive and everything's just been wonderful and I appreciate the goodness of the Lord and I want to say hello to my sweet wife and my daughter Bethany who are I think watching if we're live streaming are we live streaming? They said they were going to watch. You'd think they'd had enough of my preaching but They're going to watch, I think, tonight. Galatians chapter number five, if you'll turn over there, Galatians chapter number five. And uh, I'm going to, we're going to spend a little time in this chapter tonight. And I think uh, Brother Kinsey has been so kind to give us a lot of time and I appreciate that. Uh, it would have been all right if you just went on and been fine with me, but I, so I think we'll have time. I'm just going to read the entire chapter and I'll preach a little bit. There are 26 verses and it says this, stand fast. Remember that stand fast. Therefore, in the Liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I Paul saying to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ, Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you, that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. I was reading and studying a little bit in the book of Galatians. My pastor's been ill and I've been filling in for him quite a bit and it's allowed me to do a a preaching that's a little different than my normal preaching. It's allowed me to do more verse by verse and go through some books, it's allowed me to do that. It's hard to go through a whole book in a few days of a meeting and I was studying the book of Galatians and preaching through a little bit. And I was reading everybody I could find that had anything to say about this book, because there are a lot of men in the world, a lot smarter than I am. And I came across this fella, and he was talking about the book of Galatians. And here's what he said. He said, the theme of the book of Galatians is the beauty of grace, the beauty of grace. And I sat back in my chair and thought about that a moment and I opened my Bible again to Galatians and began to read through and I I kept finding beautiful things. But I not only found some beautiful things, I found some beastly things. Because really when you come to the book of Galatians, it is filled with contrasts. There is contrast between grace and law. There is a contrast between faith and works. There is a contrast between salvation and religion, between spirit and the flesh. So I'm calling this book of Galatians Beauty and the Beast. There's beauty here and there's beastliness here. Now I won't take time to go through all of these, but I'll just mention them to you quickly. Chapter one is the beautiful origin of faith and grace. Chapter number two is the beastly opposition of works. Chapter number three is the beautiful offerings of grace and faith. And chapter number four talks about the beastly omission of works. It's interesting, chapter four. It seems like Paul just keeps saying to them, you're not quite. You're almost. You're not quite. You just haven't made it because they're still dealing with works. And then chapter number six is the beautiful object of faith, which is Christ. But in chapter five, I want to preach to you for a moment on this thought, the beautiful obstinance of faith, the beautiful obstinance of faith. You say, preacher, what do you mean obstinate, obstinate? Well, let me give you an illustration of obstinance. I was preaching and my family was with me and we were at, uh, we were at uh, People's Baptist Church in in Stockbridge, Georgia, or McDonough, Georgia. And there's a mystery about that meeting always because we meet in a tent right next to a $3.1 million auditorium. That's a mystery to me. And so we're out there in the tent and, and there's grass on the ground and they've got a, a, a platform that's kind of made out of plywood and, and they did a good job on it. But when you make a temporary platform, you know what it's going to do? It's going to bounce a little bit. So I'm sitting in the tent before the service. I've got instruments lined up on the platform, probably about seven or $8,000 worth. And I see this little girl and she's headed for the platform and I know what she's after. She's going to go up there and grab one of those instruments. And even if she doesn't grab that instrument, when she goes walking on that floor, she's liable to tip one over. So I came kind of on a run and a jump and got up on the platform in front of her. She's coming up the steps. And I looked at her and I kind of leaned down. I said, honey. It's not a good idea for you to be up here. You probably ought to get back down. And I looked at her, not, I was not trying to be mean, but I was trying to be serious and stern. And she put her hands on her hips and gave me a look that was much sterner than mine and started to go around me. And when she started to go around me, I stepped to the side to get in front of her again. And so she went to the other side. And the two of us danced on the steps of the platform, it was like. She's coming up, I'm like this, I'm like that, I'm like this. She was obstinate about it. She's coming up there and she didn't didn't care what I said about it. She didn't care what I thought about it. And then her mama rescued me. Her mama came and grabbed her by the hand and took her back and made her sit down in the seat. And I thought to myself, there's a girl, a little girl whose mind was made up what she is going to do. And it didn't matter what anybody thought or anybody said. Now, Paul's been talking about faith and about grace. And then he does in chapter five what he often does in his epistles, he'll give us doctrine and then he'll say now here's your duty. He'll give us precept and then he'll say now here's the practice. And he'll use this word therefore and so we come to chapter five and Paul's been talking about grace versus law and faith versus works and Paul said, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to take what you know and I want you to stand fast in the liberty that Christ has given you. I want you to stand fast in grace. I want you to stand fast in faith. I want you to stand fast in salvation. I want you to stand fast in spirituality. I want you to stand fast. Be obstinate in your faith. Wouldn't it be good tonight if we just make up our mind we're gonna be obstinate about this faith thing? We're going to be obstinate about grace. We're just going to say, all right, the just shall live by faith. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to live in grace. I don't care what anybody says about it. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. I don't care what the devil thinks about it. I'm going to stick with the word of God and stand fast. Now, I want to talk to you about that for a moment. And There are three things I want to talk to you about in this obstinance of faith, this beautiful obstinance. Now, I'll just say this to you. That little girl's obstinance was not beautiful. It was more beastly. But I believe when we're obstinate in our faith, I believe it's beautiful to God. I believe he's pleased with it. Now, let me give you three thoughts tonight about being obstinate in our faith. First of all, I want to talk to you about the freedom that faith stands for. The freedom that faith stands for. Now, when we come to the first part here of Galatians chapter five, here's what we're gonna find. We're gonna find that there is freedom from loss because religion only makes you lose and works is always a losing proposition. I was looking in the first part of this chapter, and I kept noticing these things. In verse 2, it says, uh, it uses this little language, profit you nothing. In verse 3, it says you'll be a debtor. In verse 4, it says things are of no effect. In verse 4, it says you've fallen. In verse 5, it says there's no hope, because hope, uh, we're hoping by faith. And then in verse 6, it says neither availeth anything. So here's what he's saying. He's saying when we go by our feelings, when we go by religion, when When we go by works, when we go by the law, here's what happens. There's no profit in it. It just leaves us a debtor. It has no real effect on us. We're fallen. There is no hope in it. Neither availeth anything. Works won't get you anywhere. Going by your feelings and going by trying to do better and trying to make yourself accepted, it'll leave you nowhere then he'll tell us not only will there be freedom from loss but there are freedom from lies. If we live by faith, if we live by grace, we'll be free from lies. What do you mean? In verses eight and nine down through 11, here's what he said, this persuasion What persuasion? Those that are hindering them, those that are saying you must be circumcised, you must keep the law. He said this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. There are persuasive liars that want you to put all your faith in what you do and all your faith in measuring up and wants to show you. Here's what will happen. When you start trying to measure up to God, how the devil will make sure of every little thing. He'll bring up every little thing in your life that doesn't measure up. The truth the matter is none of us measure up but we are accepted in the beloved. That's what Paul tells us persuasive liars and perverting liars. He said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Uh, You can't mix grace and works and grace and the law. You can't mix salvation and religion. You can't mix them. A little leaven leaveneth the whole law. And there are persecuting liars. He said, here's what they're trying to do. They're not trying to help you. They're not trying to help you go forward. They're trying to destroy you. Paul said, I would that they were cut off that trouble you freedom from loss and freedom from lies and freedom from loveless lives. Look in verse six. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but watch this little phrase, but faith which worketh by love. Yeah. Love and faith. They go together, don't they? I preached one time, I preached one time about mercy where the Bible said, uh, Uh, that God will show mercy to the merciful. And I preached on, in Micah it says this, and I've gotta be careful, I'll preach the whole message. But in Micah it said, what does the Lord require of thee? To do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And I thought about that, love and mercy. And so I preached on courting mercy. Because you love mercy, so you court mercy. And you know, I thought about Mercy has a father. Her father's name is Truth. You find it throughout the Old Testament, Truth and Mercy. Mercy has, if we were to think of her like a young lady we're courting, Mercy has a mother, her name is Love. Mercy has a twin sister, her name is Grace. You often find them together. And Mercy has a little sister that often tags along, her name is Peace but I thought about love and about mercy and grace and here the Bible tells us that love and faith are like that. They go together. Those that walk by faith are the most loving people that you'll ever be around. Love and faith and then love and fellowship. Look in verse 13 for brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. And then love and fulfillment in verse 14. For all the law, I love this verse. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How can all the law be fulfilled in that one little verse and that one little word, love thy neighbor as thyself? I'll tell you why. Because if you love me, you won't steal from me. And if you love me, you won't gossip about me. And if you love me and if I love you, I won't covet what you have. Are you listening now? Love, love and fulfillment. So here's what he's saying. He's saying that if we'll stand fast in the faith, we will have a liberty. We will have a freedom. If we'll stand fast in grace, freedom from loss and freedom from lies and freedom from loveless lives, there is the freedom that faith stands for. Then in this passage, this chapter, there is the flesh that faith stands against. Now, he's going to start talking to us about the spirit in the flesh. In verse 5, chapter 5, starting in verse 16, this, I say, then walk. Can I talk to you about that walk a minute? I say, then walk in the spirit. Now, we're going to see two different times or two different words that are used that are translated walk. It's the same word in our King James Bible, translated from the Greek, two different words. And this first one means to tread all around in. Tread all around in, walk. It means it's the it's the picture of it. It's like when you get when you get a, a new piece of property and you're just gonna look at all of it, you're gonna explore every nook and cranny, you're just gonna walk all over in it. It's like you get a new house. You just, you're just you gonna walk in every room and walk around in here and walk over there and look over there. Here's what he said. He said, now you have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Do, do this, tread all around within him, walk all around. Find out everything that's available to you. It wasn't available to you in the flesh. It wasn't available to you under the law. It wasn't available to you uh, under religion, but you have the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, check out everything that's available to you in the spirit of God. What amazing and wonderful things are available to the child of God because of the indwelling spirit of God. A part of our problem is we're not walking around on the land that's ours. It's like the children of Israel going in the promised land and God said, uh, God said, had said, I think he made the promise to Abram. He said, look up, look to the north and the south and the east and the west. He said, all that you see will I give to you. And he talked about everywhere you tread on, every place you put your foot, I'm gonna give it to you. You know what, I, I'm enjoying finding out all the things that are available to me because of the indwelling spirit of God, but the problem is we've got an enemy. And it's the flesh. And we have to be obstinate about standing against the flesh. We have to be obstinate about the fact that our flesh does not want to serve God. My, that old man, that old flesh in me, I, I know I'm saved. You say, preacher, are you saved? I'm saved, I'm born again. And I, I, my spirit has been, that was dead, has been made alive and I'm indwelt by the Holy Ghost and I believe I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm gonna tell you that old flesh still gives me trouble, still bothers me. I remember one time there's a fellow pastoring a large church up in Ohio and uh, he got in the pulpit and he made this announcement. He said, now, I want you to come back next Sunday. He said, I'm going to do something uh, next Sunday, something a little bit spectacular. He said, here's what I'm going to do. You come back next Sunday and I'm going to name the man who has caused me more trouble since I've been the pastor here than any other man. I'm going to name him by name next Sunday when you show up. And I'm to tell you the papers got a hold of it they showed up his enemies got a hold of it they showed up people that had been against him and tried to cause him trouble they showed up and he got in the pulpit and he said uh, here's the name of the man that's caused me more trouble than anybody else since I have been in the ministry and named his own name I'm going to tell you friend that's who gives me trouble Brian McBride gives me trouble I, I don't somebody say well so and so has bothered me uh, they haven't bothered me as much as I bothered myself there's a battle going on in here, but thank God, thank God, I can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, he talks about this lust of the flesh, he talks about the leading of the spirit. Could I make this statement to you tonight? Somebody said, well, preacher, what is, this, what is the secret of overcoming that flesh? Well, we reckon, like Paul did, he said, I died daily. We recognize ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but I wanna say this to you. I believe the secret is saying yes. Let me say it this way. The secret is more so our saying yes to the spirit of God than it is saying no to the flesh. We do mortify the deeds of the flesh, but here's what happens if I'll just say yes to God. Submit yourself therefore unto God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. I think it's about, we used to sing this song, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When the Spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna waste my time arguing with my old flesh. I'm just gonna say, Holy Spirit of God, I say yes to you. I'll be obedient to you. I'll do what you'd have me to do. And I think when I say yes to him, what I'm doing is I am subduing by being subdued I'm overcoming by being overcome there is the lust of the flesh and the leading of the spirit and then he's going to give us and I don't have time to go through this list but there is the live that he talks about living in sin now he'll go through this list of things and when it gets down the end of this list of Fleshly things, here's what he says. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying, listen to me now, he's not saying that a man who is saved and sins will lo- and, and then commits a sin will lose it. The Bible say, it will tell us in chapter 6 if a brother be overtaken in a fault, if a man, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye with your spiritual restore, such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. But here's what he is saying. He's saying if you can live in sin and God never does anything about it, there's something wrong with your salvation experience. Let me give you a little illustration. I need one of these boys right here it don't matter just one of you yeah just come on one of you that's brave yeah you'll do what's your name Cody Cody my dad and I my dad grew up on a farm I I grew up in the country but not on a farm my dad always wanted to be a farmer he worked in a he worked in a factory he had his own business for a while and he worked in a hospital for a while he never had a farm, but he always wanted to be a farmer. And the reason I know is because we always had a John Deere tractor parked beside the garage, but we didn't have a field. <laughs> but my dad loved animals, to grew up on the farm, and so we'd go to the Allegan County Fair. And we were going to see the hogs, and we were going to see the chickens, and we were going to see the cattle, and that's what we were going to see. But in order to get to the animal barns, you had to walk through the midway. So this is the way we'd walk. My dad and I would walk. And my dad would have his hand on my shoulder. And I was just a little fella. Dad, you know, full grown. I was just a little fella, six, seven years old. And uh, we'd be walking along, headed for the animal barns. And we'd have to pass the hawkers, is what I called them. They had all those games, you know. They, they, they're going to shoot the basketball. So we'd be walking along and, and we're walking and they didn't talk to my dad, but they talked to me. And they'd say, hey, hey, young man, hey, I believe you look like Pistol Pete Maravich. I, I know young people don't know who that is. All right, Michael Jordan. So I bet you'd shoot like Michael Jordan. Just, just a quarter, three shots. And then he'd, he'd point to all these stuffed animals, some of them as big as I was say, here's what you can win, son, just a quarter, three shots. And I'd get to looking over there. I was not big on basketball, but then we'd get to that fellow had them rifles, (laughs) them pellet rifles. He'd say, hey boy, hey young man, you look like Wild Bill Hickok. Come over here, just a quarter, shoot out this target. You win all these prizes. Now when he got to talking to me, we're headed for the animals. But I started to kind of veer off. And when I did, my dad's hand was on my shoulder and it got heavy. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I wasn't veering off anymore. I couldn't because that heavy hand of my dad was on my shoulder. You remember what David said when he sinned and he hid the sin? He said the heavy hand of God was upon him. We call it chastening. If you look up the word chasten, if I'm remembering right now, if I'm remembering right, it's back in the book of Leviticus, first time it's found. It might be chapter 25, 26, right in there. He'll use the word chasten for the first time in the Bible. And in that same chapter, about seven times, he'll talk about walking with him. You know what chastening is about? It's to keep you walking with God and not walking off. And so if you get to wandering off and things are going to mess you up like in that list and you belong to God, you'll feel that heavy hand of God. And if you wander long enough and you belong to God, I believe God will say, okay, if you won't walk with me here you'll have to come home and walk with me there because you're mine and you're going to walk with me he gives us that leadership of the Holy Ghost to keep us he said now if you get involved in all that if he doesn't have anything if he don't have anything to do with you when you get involved in all that the reason is because you never had anything to do with him thank you whatever your name was cody so he he's talking to us about the flesh that we stand against that you know we're told to trot all around in the holy ghost but if all you're doing is trotting all around in the flesh there's a problem there's a problem we're living in the age today when people want to make grace a license to sin they won't say, well, you know, as long as they're grace, you just do whatever you want to do. Just live however you want to live. That ain't what them verses say. God will have something to say about it. So there is the freedom that faith stands for and the flesh that faith stands against. And here's the last thing. There is the fruit. I like this part. The fruit that faith stands in. Now watch what he said. But the fruit of the spirit. His love, joy, peace, love, suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So here's Paul saying, now this is what, this is what you lived in when you was lost. He talked in the book of Ephesians about in time past we walked as the Gentiles walked in the vanity of our minds. But he said, no, now we're saved, he said. And when we're led of the spirit, when we're walking in the spirit, here's what happens. The fruit of the spirit is manifested in our lives. He tells us what it is. I, I like the listing here one writer said uh, he said the old uh, authors used to say literary authors used to say there's nothing in all of literature that comes up to this list that we find right here a life filled with love and joy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance and really you know what it is it's the character of Christ you walk in the spirit you know what the Holy Ghost will do he'll make you look like Jesus he will produce in you the character of Christ. Think, just think of the picture here. A moment ago, all this wicked, ungodly, terrible stuff, that's what we used to be involved in. But here's the picture of a fellow standing over here and he's surrounded by all this abundant fruit, all these wonderful things. It's a wonderful picture. It's what the Christian life is supposed to be. There is the listing and there is the lawfulness, he said, against such. There is no law. In other words, the law can't touch you. Can't touch you when you're in Christ and you're full of the Holy Ghost. Once you're in Christ, you're not under the law anymore. He said, there's no law against this kind of living. There's nobody can make an accusation against this kind of living. Whenever I read that no law, I'm reminded in Romans chapter eight, where the Bible said this. It said, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that was risen again, and sit down at the right hand of the throne of God, and ever uh, ever liveth to make intercession for us. I don't think I got that last part right. But here, here he's saying, there's no condemnation to you and I that, are, that uh, walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I believe what he's saying in Romans 8.1, he's saying we haven't chose the fleshly way to try and get to heaven. We haven't chose the religious way. We have come the spiritual way. What the Holy Ghost told us from the word of God, we're following the scripture. And when we trust him and him alone, there's no condemnation. Yeah. Now, I like this little phrase, and somehow I got in Romans 8, and I'm out of Galatians, but I'll get back in a minute. He said, who shall anything in charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. I read a little illustration about a French king and an English king that were going to war. And before they go to war, they didn't fight like we fight today. There were always certain things that you had to do and they had a, there was a certain way that you fought, the way that you arrayed the, in the battle and all that stuff. And so what they would do is they'd have a crier come out and so the French army's over here and the English army's over here. And the crier for the English army came forward and he cried with a loud voice toward that crowd over there and he said, Surrender! In the name of duke of some such place, and in the name of the earl, and in the name of the prince, and in the name of the king, and he just kept going through all these titles for this fella. Well, when he got done, here's the little old French army over here, and their leader didn't have but one title. He was the, he was the duke of manrone So he stepped forward and he said, Surrender! In the name of the Duke, command Rene. In the name of the Duke, command Rene. In the name of the Duke, command Renee. In the name of the Duke, command. And he, rep- he repeated as many times as that English guy had all them other titles. And I thought to myself, that's what we do. What do we do when the enemy comes against us? We say, I'm safe. I'm safe. And here's why I'm safe it is God. It is Christ. Who is he that shall shall anything the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that liveth again. You know what I'd say to the devil? I'd say it is God, it is Christ. When the devil say you don't measure up, I'd say it is God, it is Christ. When the devil said you ain't gonna make it, you're not worth it, I'd say it is God, it is Christ. When the devil said you is just an old sinner, I'd say it is God, it is Christ. That's my answer always. There is the listing and the lawfulness. Let me give you this one. I'll be done, I think. There is the lining up. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, this word walk is different from the first one. The first one meant to trot all over. This one means to get in line. It's it's lining up for battle as a soldier. Now, I thought about lining up and I thought about how in the world could somebody like me be fit to line up in the Lord's army? Well, there was another lineup one day. John the Baptist was in the River Jordan And he was baptizing people. And one of the Gospels puts it this way. They came to John confessing their sins. So I want you to think, get this picture. John is down here. I need a John. Come here, John. So John the Baptist is down here in the River Jordan. And he's going to baptize people. So here's what they're doing. They're lined up. I don't know how far they're lined up. But they're lining up and this one comes. And here's what he'd say to them. It's what he said. The Pharisees, he said, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. In other words, suitable fruit to show you've repented. And so they'd come up and and the Bible said they're confessing their sins. So here's what they do. This fellow walks up and he looks at John and John looks at him and he said, I've been a whoremonger. I've been immoral. I've been ungodly. And I'm sorry. And I want to repent. I want to be right with God. And he'd go down in the water and John would baptize him. And then there's a woman walk up and she'd say, I've been dishonest, I've been, I've been dishonest in my dealings. I, I haven't been truthful and I'm so sorry and I wanna be right with God. She'd tell what she'd done and John would baptize her. And another fellow come up and he'd tell about his sin, another lady and another lady and another fellow. And they're lined up one after another, lined up confessing their sin. And then all of a sudden a strange thing happened. There's somebody in line. And when that somebody comes up and stands before John He doesn't have any sin to confess and John looks at him and points a bony finger and said behold the lamb of God that taketh away he said you know all that sin you've been talking about all that sin you've been confessing here's the fellow that takes it away here's the one God sent to take care of that behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world and he walked down in the water and John said oh no he forbade him he said I need to be baptized of thee and and Jesus said suffer to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all right and John baptized him when he came up out of the water. There was a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Ghost rested on him in the form of a dove. It was God sealing his bread down there in that water in that Jordan River. Thank you, John. And so what I'm saying to you is Jesus lined up in my place. He lined up for me. He shouldn't have... He didn't belong in that line. He never sinned, but you know what now? Because he lined up in my place, I get to line up for him. Because he gave himself for me, I get to give myself for him. Because he stood in humankind as a man and stood with sinners, I get to stand in righteousness with the Son of God and a child of God. I get to line up tonight. Because Jesus lined up in my place. i tell you what I want to do tonight. I want to stand fast. I want to stand fast in faith. I want to continue and go on and serve the Lord. I want to walk in a straight path. I want to live for him. So Paul, when he gets here to chapter 5, He starts out with these two words, stand fast. You know what you're going to have to do when you're disappointed? Stand fast. You know what you're going to have to do when you get discouraged? Stand fast. You know what you're going to have to do when you're disillusioned? Stand fast. You know what you're going to have to do when doubts come your way? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. I want you to bow your heads a moment, if you will. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I believe standing fast in an obstinate faith is beautiful in the eyes of God. I believe he delights in it. I don't want to be stubborn about things that I don't need to be stubborn about, but I want to be stubborn about this matter of faith. I don't want to be obstinate in things that are not right. I don't want to be obstinate when I'm being corrected, but I want to be obstinate in this matter of faith and living for God. I want to set my feet like that little girl did and say, I'm not listening to what anybody says that doesn't line up with the word of God. I'm going to be obstinate that it is God. It is Christ. And I'm going to stand fast in this liberty. Now, Father, help us tonight. There's maybe somebody lost in our midst. There may be somebody still trusting themselves to get to heaven thinking somehow they have to work to get it and then work to keep it. And they're under a yoke of bondage. That's what the Bible calls it. And I pray tonight, Lord, that they would throw off that yoke and put all their trust in thee. That their, their salvation will depend upon what you did on the cross of Calvary. And then I pray for those of us, Lord, that are saved, that you'll help us to stand fast in grace and in faith and in the liberty wherewith you've made us free. Help us to be obstinate about it so that we might glorify you in our lives. Lord, there may be somebody here tonight wavering. There may be somebody here tonight. Lord, they've gone, something's happened in their life. They've gone through something. It's, it's hit them. It's knocked the wind out of their souls. I pray, Lord, that they would stand fast, stand fast and line up Behind you because you lined up for us. Help us now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet a moment. Our brother's gonna lead us in a song.